Awesome. Well, thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us in a time of worship. Thank you, guys. Uh, they needed a, a guitar player, and I guess a pastor would do this morning. So, yeah, thanks for inviting me to be on the team. This side filled up really quick. This side was empty when I closed my eyes. So, don't think I didn't see you guys come in. Oh, I didn't, but I see you now. So, yeah, I don't care what time you get here, you know. Anytime between 10 and 11, I'm happy to see you. So, if you came here like Tuesday at noon, I might be a little frightened. It's like you're a little. You're either really early for worship or really late. So, uh, yeah, it's great to see the, the, the new people. If I haven't met you, I'd love to, to say hi to you afterwards. Uh, like Gretchen was saying, uh, we have those connection cards. Uh, if you fill that out, if you're a, a first-time uh, guest and you would like to fill that out, I will send you a gift in the mail. If you give me your information, it's kind of like a, you give me some info, and uh, I'll send you a special present, and uh, hopefully you love it. Uh, some people have hated it. It's a gift card to a place, and there's about a million of those places here in town. And some people are like, oh, this is great, and some people are like, oh, that stuff's gross. Yuck. It's like, well, if you feel that way, and I've sent you one, here's, here, you can give it away to somebody else and say, hey, you want to come to Redwood? And yeah, yeah, or Sally. Sally will take all of your unused, unnamed gift cards, so. Hey, we had a great time uh, last night at our, at our uh, it was like our first family movie night, and let me tell you, the kids truly did treat this place like it was their house. I mean, <laughs> like candy and popcorn, what does it look like mushed into the carpet? So uh, we had a great time with that. Uh, we're going to keep trying stuff like, like that out. We love to see kids. Uh, the whole point of it is, man, we want, we want kids to love coming to church. Amen? And we watched Finding Nemo, which is very religious, uh, but it was, <laughs> it doesn't matter. What matters is that kids love coming to church. Your kids, your grandkids, maybe you, if you feel like you're childlike, you love coming to church. So whatever it takes to get families and kids here, uh, we will do anything short of sin to reach them. And so we were excited uh, to do that. Uh, last week's uh, we message and, and ice cream was great. We had a great fun time. Uh, there I am. And uh, my wife and uh, Mish, my administrative assistant, and their kids. Yeah, I mean, it was fantastic. If you missed it, I'm sorry, we're out of ice cream. So, yeah. Oh, it was really fun, though. And uh, again, uh, I mean, I think it cost us as a, as a church about $40 total to run that event. And so that's the type of stuff that we love to do. Uh, give away ice cream. Let's just hang out. More excuses to hang out and put ice cream in our hair. Uh, it, it's a great gel if you haven't tried it. Um, and your kids will hug you even tighter if you do that. So now you know. Uh, right after that, though, we had four baptisms in the river, which was awesome. Hallelujah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, like that's, like, that's like what it's all about is, is getting people to say, yes, I, I'm all in on Jesus. I, I want to be baptized. I, I want to do that. And again, we're going to give a million opportunities. If you're someone that says, yes, I followed Christ, uh, I just haven't taken that step of obedience yet to get baptized. It's never too late. So start. Uh, we can do it today. We get the baptisms full. I brought my baptism shirt. You can tell because I'm wearing it. And uh, that means that we are ready to do baptism. So if you'd like to do that, we could always do that. Uh, never feel like it's too late. Um, 
what else do I got here? Oh, uh, next weekend, we have the Sunday night at 6 p.m., we have the uh, night of worship, which is going to be really cool. I just, we don't get to do very many songs on the weekend. There's just not enough time, right? Like all of us, you know, especially once football season starts. Uh, so like all of us are like, okay, we're, we love coming here, but we don't, we don't want to stay here for two hours. So uh, let's, we're just going to sing songs. We're going to pray together. It's going to be really great. I'm excited. Uh, it's, it's going to be really fun. So that's next Sunday. We're going to take communion together, of course, at that time as well. So that's like 6 to 7.15, 7.20-ish. Uh, it's going to be really exciting. Okay, and I know you guys are really excited, but we're going to continue our study in the book of Philippians. So yeah, woo! And the crowd goes wild. They're so excited. They can't hold their excitement back. Uh, yeah, if you're using your physical Bible, it's about 90% of the way through. You open it up kind of like that last 10%. It's in a group of a lot of letters written there. Uh, if you're looking in your phone to find it, it's the book called Philippians. It starts with Phil and ends with Ippians. Yeah. Uh, and I'll give you a second to get there. Uh, but this summer, it's really been an amazing study so far, right? He's, uh, there's been a lot of underlying understandings of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. What does it mean to be all in, to really give the Holy Spirit the ability to work in you and through you? And it's been really, it's been really fun. Uh, today, we're going to ask uh, some tough questions, though. Uh, of all the stuff you have or ever could have, how much is too much to give away? How much of yourself is too much to allow the Holy Spirit to be in control of? And really asking us all the question, um, why do we hold on to temporary things and miss out on eternal things? That's the big question. So we're going to start in Philippians chapter 3, verse 1. I, see, I still hear some Bibles flipping there, so I'll give you guys a second. All right. This is what it is. Uh, we're going to go through verse 11. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for evildoers. Look out for those who, who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more confidence. Yeah, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, I know that Paul started this chapter by saying, finally, uh, how many books are in the book of Philippians? Four, right? We just finished two. This is the first verse of three. So that means halfway through his letter, he says, 
Finally, which, what does that mean? That means that Paul was a fantastic preacher, right? Yeah, he did not know how to land the plane. He says, finally, uh, this is a true story. If you go back and look in Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul was preaching. He was preaching the word of God. He was just really excited. He did it all day, and it got to nighttime, and there was a young man who was sitting in the window, which is such a safe place to sit. And this man apparently is like me and had narcolepsy, and he fell asleep and died, and he fell out of the window, and he was dead. And so Paul, of course, he said, that's it. The service is done. Someone died. False. No. He went and he revived the man, and then he just acted as if nothing happened and went on preaching all night until the morning. That is how you know a good preacher. (laughs) They don't preach to death. They preach through death. So... If any of you die, I promise I won't skip a beat. I'll revive you, and then we'll get back to it. So that's respect right there. Finally, he's a great preacher. We love uh, Paul. So uh, I think Paul, he, he brings up circumcision in, in a strange way. Um, this is one of those things that we, we love to talk about as preachers, right? Like men, like we love to think about circumcision and talk about circumcision. It's just such a fun subject. This is a true story. I didn't have this in my notes, and so uh, add another 15 minutes to the sermon. Uh, but when I was in, in India, I went over there to, to train pastors. And so we went to this remote village out in the middle of nowhere. And we're, we're teaching all about how uh, like baptism is, is like the new, it's the new covenant that like links with like circumcision and which we're all hallelujah. And uh, that we don't have to do that anymore. Uh, but uh, so it's like, this is great. And so we're getting through the class and uh, a very sheepish uh, young man raises his hand and he goes, uh, in Telugu, which I did not understand. So it's going through an interpreter. He goes, uh, what is circumcision? And I was like, uh, so going through an interpreter, it's like, I asked him, I go, well, how graphic do you want me to be? He's like, it's just men here, it's fine. And so I told them what circumcision was, and they're like, well, we're thankful we don't have to do that. So it's not something that they did. Uh, but this is, this is true. So Paul, he, he brings it up in a strange way. Uh, he says, beware of those who mutilate the flesh. Um, why this is weird is that Paul himself, being born Jewish, is a devout Jew and is circumcised. So is he hating on Jewish people? No. We're going to talk about why he, he brought this up. Uh, he's not telling other people that they shouldn't have been circumcised. Um, it's just he's concerned with some false teaching that was going on. Just like we all should be concerned about false teachings there was a lot of controversy, there was dissension, and there was strife, and we've never experienced any of that here. Uh, we've never experienced that in our age, so it was just a thing from 2,000 years ago. Uh, but this is what was happening. There were those that were teaching uh, because, because Jesus himself was, was a Jew, and they thought that in order to, to really be saved by Christ, you had to do all the Jewish things. That's what they, they thought, because, well, Jesus didn't say we didn't have to do all the Jewish things, so we'll keep doing the, the, the Jewish things. They had 613 laws, one of them being, uh, if you converted to Judaism as a man, you had to be circumcised. Uh, so they were telling all the new men that were coming to faith, hey, now that you've come to faith in Christ, you have to be circumcised. And there are a lot of men like, I, I don't want that. Like, I want, I want Jesus. I don't want this thing. And so uh, there was this conflict that was happening, even between Peter and Paul. Well, Peter is saying, hey, we have to circumcise all the new believers. And Paul's saying, like, no, we don't. They just need Jesus. They just need the Holy Spirit. They don't need uh, circumcision. And so Paul is trying to say, listen, you have to pay attention. You have to beware of people who add something extra to the gospel. 
Circumcision was something that was, was extra. Was it wrong for people to be circumcised? No. Did anyone have to be circumcised now that there's Christ? No. And so they're adding something extra. Anytime someone adds an extra book that they interpreted through magic rock glasses or that they have, you, uh, they have their stamp on, you can only read this material, you have to only read this version of the Bible, anybody that adds the extra, they're teaching you a gospel that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Beware of false teachers. He says, beware of these dogs. Now, we love dogs, but that wasn't a good term back then. You know, for us, it's like, beware of puppies, for they're really scary. Uh, that's not what he's saying. Like, dogs was, uh, they, they, they didn't really keep them as pets. They were free-roaming, dangerous animals. Maybe like, more like dingoes, for those of you who are from down, down under. Beware dingoes, right? The dingo ate my baby. Anyone that adds anything to the gospel other than Christ is a false teacher. Now, Paul says he knew, he knew what it meant to be a Jewish boy through and through. He claims to have been a, a rule follower since youth, even persecuting Christians because of his faith. So if anyone was the best Jewish boy, Paul was the best Jewish boy. Even stoning those who chose to defy them. Uh, but Paul begs to ask the question, Is what does all that Jewish learning mean now? Because for the most part, they weren't studying and learning scripture. They were studying the rules that they had created. So Paul says in verses uh, 7 through 9, if you're reading with me still, starting in verse 7, this is his response. What does all that he learned prior to Christ mean now? Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Whatever, he says, whatever, I, whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the Christ. Compared to Jesus, everything that Paul had in his life following all the Jewish customs, making uh, money in the businesses that he ran, being highly influential in uh, his, his, his leadership role within the Jewish community. He says all of that was worthless. He counted it all as loss compared to Christ, which is like it's less than something that has no worth that has negative worth. Paul went all in, wholehearted, devotion to Jewish customs and leadership. And then he encountered Jesus. And when he looked back on his life prior to Christ, he says it was all worthless. It's rubbish. This Greek word for rubbish in verse 8, um, some have said it's, it was a controversial word that would have like riled people up. And maybe. But Paul also says, you know, in Romans chapter 12, do everything to keep peace. So he wouldn't have said, he wouldn't have written a word down just to like rile them up. It probably wasn't a curse word, but what it, what it meant in the Greek culture was dung or poo-poo. So that word for rubbish that we have, um, the original people that were translating the Bible didn't want to put dung in the Bible. So they're like, well, rubbish. 
But in their medical terms, in their medical journals that the, the, the Greeks had in that era, that's what they used for excrement, right? Was, was this word for rubbish. So he compares everything that he had that isn't of Jesus to excrement. He was trying to work his way into good graces with God, believing that if he tried harder and did better, that God would love him and bless him more. He would make it to the kingdom of heaven if he just worked a little harder. He was trying to get to heaven his own way. And now at this stage of his life, when he looks back, he regrets. It was, it was worthless. It was rubbish, filth, slime. <laughs> Paul met Christ and he repented of everything. And if we're honest with ourselves and with others, we still have a lot to give up. We still cling to a lot of the things that aren't of Jesus. And sometimes we, uh, those things are revealed within the way that we act and, and talk and someone will bring them up to us and we'll, we'll kind of make excuses to why we still act and think that way. Why we still hold on to the things of old. And, and if we're being honest, I hope we can be honest with ourselves. We, we don't look back at our old selves and despise who we were as people who didn't follow Jesus. But instead, we look back and say, well, I would have done better if I had known better. And now we have big houses and nice cars and trucks, and sometimes we think, man, it would be, it'd be easier to be homeless or to be in prison and follow Jesus. Because if I had so little, it would be a lot easier to give up everything that I have. And I'm not saying that I want to go to prison. I, I'm really not saying that. I don't want to go to prison. Uh, but I know I'd read my Bible every day, for more than just an hour, for more than just two hours. If I was locked in a cell with nothing to do, I would read my Bible all the time. I probably haven't memorized by now. I'd probably read my Bible every day if I didn't have to carry around my stupid phone. <laughs> and here's the secret for all of us. Um, we don't have to carry it around. We're kind of addicted to it. And the reason we don't give it up is because we don't want to. And I'm not saying you, I'm saying we because I'm part of that. So as we discuss Paul counting everything as loss in comparison to what he gets from Christ, I'm reminded of a, of a young man in the Bible, a, maybe a rich young man who came face to face with the living, breathing Christ. He didn't make the same decision that Paul did. So if you're still with me with your Bibles, we're going to turn to Matthew chapter 19. And we affectionately call this man the rich young ruler. And his story is most of our American stories as well. And I'm not hating on America or capitalism or anything like that, but... The whole point of this passage today is just to get us to think, ponder whether or not we've gone all in for Jesus. So we're going to start in verse 16, so Matthew 19, verse 16. It says, And behold, a man came up to him, saying, Teacher, what good must I do to have eternal life? Which is a good question. And he said to him, why do you ask me about like, what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter uh, life, keep the commandments. 
And he said to him, well, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And the young man said to him, all these I have kept, so what do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go, sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So here's a young man, a rich young man, who comes to Jesus claiming to be perfect. He says, I have kept all the laws since I was a boy. That's, a, that's kind of a, that's a bold claim, right? Later we read in, in the books at the, the end of our Bible, those little letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, 1st and 2nd Peter, uh, John tells us that if anyone claims to be perfect, they are a liar. So first of all, we know that this man can't surely be telling the truth. He hasn't kept all the commandments. Uh, I think the strange part is, is that he, he came to Christ. He acknowledged that he was a good teacher. He acknowledged that he was a rabbi, that he was someone that knew the law, that knew the way to eternal life. You don't ask something from someone unless you know that they have the answer. That's why my wife never asks me where the milk is in the fridge, because I don't know. I open up the fridge, and it's not there. She's like, it's right, it's right there. It's like, ah, I knew it. Uh, so you don't ask something from someone when they don't know the answer. I don't ask my wife about how to fix cars, right? She doesn't ask me how to paint in the lines, because we, we, neither one of us know anything about that. So he comes to the teacher. He recognizes his authority. He recognizes that he has the answers to find eternal life, and he didn't like Jesus' answer. He didn't like it. He recognized the authority, maybe even the deity of Jesus. And yet, if, if he really had, he would have immediately sold all of his possessions and gave it to the poor. Because he would have recognized that what he would have gotten in return, was far more valuable than anything he could ever own on this earth. Not only that, but if he was really rich, as the Bible implies, the impact that he would have had on his community would have been immeasurable. The sad part is, is that we never hear of this rich young man again. And that's how close some of us get. We get face to face with Christ. We recognize that he has the answers, but then when he gives us the truth, the answers, sometimes we don't like it. It is possible that he eventually did as Jesus did, but we have no record of it, and it would seem as if all the other records that we have from the early church that we would have known what this man had done. And, and I've put myself in, in this rich young ruler's shoes so many times. And I'm like, surely, Lord, I would have given up everything. If you had asked me to give up everything, surely, Lord, I would have. How could anyone be invited by Christ himself 
and go away sad with whatever he asked of them. How could anyone do that? But I know that there's been times in my life when Christ has asked me to give up things and I haven't. I've gone away sad. And most people on earth, most people in this room are like me too. That maybe even still now there's things that we are not willing to give up. There's something in our lives that keep us from truly following Jesus. And sometimes it's sin. Sometimes for some of us it's sin if we're being honest. Sometimes it's stuff like cars or houses or boats. Sometimes it's a hobby like sports or gardening or painting, whatever it is. Sometimes it's a job, it's a career, it's retirement dreams. Sometimes it's even our own children that keep us from going all in on Jesus. And I'm not asking you to say this out loud. I want you to use your your inside voice. But what is the Holy Spirit convicting you of? That thing that is a barrier between you and going all in, allowing the Holy Spirit to control your whole life. What is that thing in your heart that is keeping you from following Christ like the rich young ruler? That if, if he asked you to give it up, you would go away sad. The thing that keeps us from going all in on Jesus and allowing the Holy Spirit to control everything that we say and do, that it's, it's pride. Pride is what keeps us from being wholly invested in Jesus. We don't actually believe what the Word of God says sometimes and what Jesus wants from us sometimes. We don't actually believe in everything all the time. And it's not like this should be news to us. We should know this about ourselves, but we, just, we choose not to think about it all that often if we're being honest, which I hope we can be with ourselves at least. The good news is that Paul was just like us. He was rich. He was focused on his own righteousness and the flaws of others, and he was very religious. Uh, You may not feel like you are rich because we have like Instagram and we have, you know, people like Bill Gates, you know, like we're like, wow, I mean, he thinks a gallon of milk costs $30, right? And I just want to ask you a couple questions if you don't think you're rich, and I'm not doing this to make you feel guilty. I just want you to know, uh, do you own more than one pair of shoes? Do you have more than one option for what you will eat today? Do you own a vehicle, a car, or a truck? Do you have a bed to sleep in? If you answered yes to three of those questions, at least, then you are wealthier than 90% of the world. You're in the top 10%. Congratulations. That means that we are rich. Rich beyond the wildest dreams of 90% of the people in this world. It seems like an ugly word, especially in this context, to think that we are rich. And I don't want you to hear what I'm not saying. Jesus isn't asking you to sell off everything that you have and give it to the poor. He asked that one man to do so. It's kind of funny because he didn't ask Peter and the other disciples to do that, but then Peter, in, in one of the Gospels, Peter pipes up and goes, hey, hey, we did that, Jesus. We, we did that. And then Jesus has to humble him real quick. But God is, I'm not, I'm not up here telling you what you need to do right now. And please don't make this a, like a clip like on Twitter or something. What you need to do is sell all your stuff 
and give it to the church, and then you'll be so blessed that God is just going to pour out financial blessings on you, and you'll have all the wealth. And Paul, What Paul is trying to teach us is that our pursuit should not be of worldly things. So if you're giving to the church or if you're giving to something in order that you will financially get more or that you'll get more things, you're doing it for the wrong reasons. I know some of you, this, that, that, that might be hard to hear. The reason why we give to the kingdom of God is because Jesus is the king of the universe and we want to lay everything down at his feet and say, hey, whatever we have, we want to give it to you. I consider it all worthless compared to you. So if you can use it in your kingdom, God, please use it. I get distracted, though, sometimes. Have you seen the new Teslas? Pretty cool. (laughs) I mean, I have a want list, not a wish list, but a want list a mile wide. I mean, I'm a guitar player. Do you know how many guitars a guitar player needs? One more. That's right. (laughs) One more. And Catherine can attest to this. Uh, I, I probably had like six or seven guitars when we got married. And I was deeply convicted by how many nice guitars I had. So I, was, I gave them away to my interns. Because I was like, please, just, I don't want to be tempted by this anymore. Take it away. Uh, but in my heart of hearts, there are things in this world that I believe that if I get, I will be happy. If I get that next thing, I'll be content. And sometimes I've prayed for those things. Like, God, I need this. I'll never be fully me until I have this. But when I am most effective in ministry, and when we are most effective growing the kingdom of God, is when our heart considers all the things of this world as loss and worth nothing. When I'm willing to do whatever it takes with whatever I have to achieve the resurrection, as Paul says, that's when I'm most effective. I truly believe in the resurrection, and I truly believe that Christ is the only answer for me and for everyone else. That's what Paul is trying to get us to come to today. What if you lose everything? Would you still follow? What if you had to give up everything in order to help others? Would you still follow? What if God calls you to make a huge sacrifice? Would you still follow? I want our answer to be yes. And we got to start taking down whatever those barriers are today. My encouragement to you in order to do this is to find a group of people that you trust and tell them what that is. Tell people. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you may be healed. Whatever it is that is keeping you from going all in on Jesus, find someone and tell someone. And then pray with them and, and let them pray for you. I'm gonna call the, the worship team back up. So we got to ask the question, how do we, how do we help each other go, go all in for Christ? How do we help each other to forsake all things of this world? Uh, well, it starts with the activities that we do together. 
right? We're going we're gonna to sing a song about how great God is, and it was written in King James language. Uh, but this song reminds us of the greatness of God and how, honestly, just how weak we are in comparison. So think about the words when we're singing them. This next song that we sing together, think about the words. I know for some of you who have been to church a long time, you can sing this song with your eyes closed. You know all the words, but I want you to, to, to read them, to sing them, to think about the words that you're saying. And when it comes to the time of, uh, of offering, do, I mean, the question, do we as a church, do we need money to function? Yes. Do we ever want you to feel obligated to give? No. But when we pass the plates, we, when we give to the church, when we give to God, it helps us to remember that everything that we have is worthless compared to God, compared to the kingdom. You're under no obligation from me to put anything other than your communication card in the offering plates. But remember that it is a simple act of worship to help us remember every week that God owns everything. So let's worship together by, by singing to the greatness of God and giving to him and uh, his work uh, together. All right, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll, we'll sing this song together. So Father, uh, we know that we're not completely devoted all the time, and we want to be. So whatever it is that is keeping us from coming to you and laying it down, God, reveal that to us. Let your Holy Spirit work within us. Help us to listen to others who tell us of those, those barriers and help us to repent and give them up. God, you have brought an amazing group of people here in this place and I want us to be perfect as the Heavenly Father is perfect. So God, help us to continue to grow, continue to go all in so that we can reach this community, that we can continue to do more baptisms, more fun events as a very large family. God, we believe in you, we love you, we trust you. And all God's people said, amen. amen.